Welcome to Wednesday Evening Bible Study. Uh, this is Pastor Logan. We're going to get back into our study of uh, the disciplines, celebration of discipline by uh, Richard J. Foster. Uh, it's been a tremendous read. I hope you're reading along with us as we go through, and hopefully you've got your study notes in front of you. Uh, we're going to jump right into it. I think it's a splendid work. I think it's a magnificent piece of work given to us uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, for us to not just be acquainted with Scripture, but allow the Scripture to literally transform our lives and the steps, the disciplines necessary to do so. Um, it's uh, you know when you think about the celebration of disciplines, uh, when you when you understand its effects on our life and the product that disciplines produce, it truly is a celebration, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult sometimes. But the one thing I want you to understand is that uh, as we go through these uh, particular principles and points, um, the Word of God and, and even as we discuss the disciplines are never meant to condemn us. They're meant to correct us. They're meant to adjust us. They're meant to modify anything that is not of God. And, uh, and so sometimes people hear these things and as we go through them, and you can feel self-condemnation uh, come upon you. Um, but I want you to know you're not condemned. You know, the Word of God tells us in Romans chapter 8, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation. There is correction, though. There is conviction. And so we're going to get into some of these points today. Let's pray first, and uh, then we'll get started in our Bible study. Father, we thank you for the, our time together this evening. Thank you for the opportunity for each one of us to gather around the Word and to learn more about you. We're so thankful that you are so very gentle with us, but you can be very um, uh, um, straightforward and, and tell us exactly what we need to hear. And so we thank you for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see and giving us the ability to discern what the Spirit of God is saying to each and every one of us. Uh, so we bless you for it all, Father. We thank you that we're growing, we're developing, and we're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Say amen if you uh, agree with that prayer. All right, so we're going to get into a little more of the discipline of service. And I, I'm telling you, this is a, a very powerful and convicting uh, area, but it is if we entreat it the way God wants us to, it may be one of the most freeing. I said that about the last one, but this one too. They're all compounding. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really the complete work. It's the whole counsel. It's the full gospel uh, that changes our life, not a piece of it. You know, just going to heaven is wonderful. That's great news, but it's not all that God has for us. Uh, there's a lot more to it. Um, once you hear about Jesus Christ, really, you don't need to spend a whole lot more time um, talking about uh, going to heaven. That's vitally important, and all of us are looking at our lives in that way. But really, from that point on, um, it's about development. It's about becoming more and more like Christ every day. We don't even have to be consumed with, am I going to get there or not? Am I going to go to heaven or not? Uh, when we believe in Jesus Christ, confess him as our Lord and Savior, we're going there. So we don't have to, to be so um, committed to, to figuring that out. That's for the unbelievers. They need to come in first. But for us, it's a matter of transformation from this day forward. And that's what we're desiring to do is to transform. So I'm not going to go back over the last ones. Um, if you go back and, and listen to uh, the videos from before, uh, we discussed the first part of the discipline or celebration of um, of service, only the discipline of service. So I'm going to start where we left off at, which is uh, under the subtitle "Self-Righteousness uh, Service Versus True Service." And um, so when we talk about self-righteousness, let me just every time you hear the word self-righteousness, I want you to think of of this: everything involves self. Uh, always aware of self and the effects on self. So when you're thinking of self-righteousness, it's basically just being self-consumed. Uh, thinking about self, how is self going to be affected? How is self going to look? How is self going to be interpreted, understood? In other words, we're right there in the middle. 
Uh, so what, what God seeks to do is to get us out of self and self-thinking and selfishness and get us to a better place. And even in um, serving others, it can be self-motivated. It can be motivated by self. It can be motivated how, how am I going to look when I serve others? What is it going to be effects on me? How are people going to look at me when they see me serving? So that's what I want you to understand about the word self, self here. So self, number five, we started number five of self-righteous service versus true service. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. It eagerly awaits to see if the person served will rep reciprocate in kind. So it's talking about uh, what we're looking for. Or, Did you see me do this? Did you see me? What are you going to do in return? You're going to smile. You're going to give me a patty. Is that a boy? You're going to let me acknowledge that I did something good? That's what um, uh, being uh, concerned about results are. We want someone to come back and look at what we've done and give us a, a data boy, uh, a good job. And, and nothing wrong with that. And, and, and those are oftentimes very affirming to get that word, but that shouldn't be our motivation. I mean, I enjoy a good pat on the back. I enjoy a good data boy, but that should not be my motivation. If that is my motivation, the Bible says you have received your reward already here on earth. I want my reward to be in heaven. Uh, and again, you can't keep people from giving you a data boy and a pat on the back, but you can deflect it so that it's not about you. Um, uh, it's going to come with the territory. People are going to appreciate what you have done for them, but 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 we're so small in it that it really it really is not our purpose for doing it. And it says it becomes bitter when results fall below expectations. True service is free of the need to calculate results. It delights only in the service. It can serve enemies as freely as friends. So the heart of it is just serving, serving. And, and sometimes, you know, the results, depending on our giftings, might not necessarily be uh, the best, but, but it's because of our heart of serving uh, that we just want to throw our hands in there and get involved with, with the work itself. Um, so, so we're not concerned because if we're concerned overly about the results, that doesn't mean that we do a, a slipshod job. If we're concerned overly about results, that means it's about who? Me. It's about self. How, how, how are you going to read me after you look at my work? Number six, self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. Sometimes the high and powerful are served because that will ensure a certain advantage. Sometimes the low and defenseless are served because that will ensure a humble image. See, all of that involves how it's going to affect me. The heart of it is not just serving the people. The heart of it is, if I serve the, the rich and affluent, how will they perceive me? If I serve uh, the poor uh, and those who really need my, my help, still, it's how does that make me look? In other words, self is all in it. Uh, again, we want to be able, and we're really the only ones, because two people serving uh, one may be serving for the right motives and one not serving for the right motives. They're just, all we see is the service. We don't see the heart. We don't understand or know what's going on. So it must be self-regulated by the individual so that individual can know what their heart really is in it. What is my motivation for doing it? Am I seeking the affluence uh, to, to become in a good light before the affluent? I want them to see me. I want to do something good for me. Maybe even for the sake of them compensating me back or giving me something in kind or just saying, you know, that George is a, he's a good guy. He came over here and did whatever for me. Um, or it could be uh, for the poor, but while we're serving the poor, we not only want the poor to know we serve them, but we want everybody else to know that we serve them as well. You know, there's a scripture that says uh, when we do something for someone, it says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That's the, that's the gist there, is don't go out and, and um, uh, you know, market yourself or talk about yourself. Um, put your own name out there. Boast about yourself. Uh, because, again, the motivation is not for the glory of God, 
but it's for the glory of self. And then it goes on to say, true service is indiscriminate in its ministry. It has heard the command of Jesus to be the servant of all. Brother Francis of Assisi notes it in, in, in a letter, being the servant of all, I am bound to serve all and to administer the balm-bearing words of my Lord. I talked about this this past Sunday. You know, it truly is disingenuous to, to be up in arms about what's going on uh, in our society today concerning um, uh, uh, police or Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. Uh, it's disingenuous to pick a particular group and just be about that one group. Um, uh, now, we do know, and this is not to take away that that, that uh, all lives do matter, and it's particular when there is a particular uh, group of people, ethnic group, that is being uh, hurt, marginalized, uh, victimized, uh, to stand up for them. But it should be across the board. We can judge our hearts when we see uh, any kind of injustice, and but only the injustice that involves the color of our skin do we want to get involved with. That's disingenuous. Uh, so it doesn't... Uh, uh, take away from that these uh, other uh, kinds of atrocities are taking place and and uh, that these things are wrong, but we should be just as up in arm about whether it be blacks, whether it be white, whether it be whoever, um, we should get upset about it. You know, the um, abolitionists um, uh, during the days of slavery if they had not been for them, and these were the them were predominantly white, if it had not been for these white abolitionists, uh, who knows, we could still be in slavery today. We could be still enslaved today if someone who was of an other uh, ethnicity, other uh, cultural background, other hue, as it were, of the lighter hue, uh, if they hadn't taken, gotten up in arms, and some literally up in arms uh, about um, enslavement, uh, then we could very well have been an, another century or so into slavery today. Someone had to say it's not about whether it's black or white. It's about this is unjust, period. I don't care what the color of the skin is. It's unjust. And when more people take on that attitude, especially those who are in the church, especially the body of Christ, says we, we're not going to tolerate any kind of injustice. Any injustice is wrong. Anyone that's been done wrong is not right. And so we all become uh, that way. Martin Luther King, towards the end of his life, you know, he was, he was uh, uh, a champion uh, for many different causes. And even on the day that, um, that he died and was assassinated, I think he was in Memphis for the, uh, the I think, and I, I can't remember the name, but I believe it was the, the, uh, the uh, garbage workers or the trash workers uh, of, of Memphis that he was standing up for. And these weren't just uh, blacks, they were whites, anyone. He stood up for people who were being done wrong, period. And that's how you know a true heart of service. A true heart of service sees injustice or sees a need and responds to it, not based on any uh, 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 criteria, um, it just says, you know, this is wrong. I want to I take care of it. I want to do something about it. Um, that's, that's the true heart of, a, um, of, of service. Number seven, self-righteous service is affected by moods and whims. It can serve only when there is a feeling to serve. Quotation marks, moved by the spirit, as we say. Uh, ill health or inadequate sleep controls the desire to serve. In other words, it's saying that, that uh, a person who is not motivated by service alone and helping others alone will have to feel a need to help or feel something, be moved. Uh, when I feel the Spirit moving in me, I will move. And sometimes people cop out on that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't wait for the Holy Spirit to move us. I'm saying that sometimes people only move when they have some kind of goosebumps or, or feelings or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. But that's not the true heart of service. A true heart of service is it doesn't take anything for me to respond to a particular need. Um, now, now, obviously, we can't go and respond to everything, and we need to be led by the Spirit of God. 
uh, in order for balance to be in our life. Because if we just say, I'm going to meet every need, I'm just going to do everything in front of me, you'll run yourself uh, ragged and, and there will be an imbalance. And that imbalance will affect itself on your family, you know, and on others around you. And you'll become fatigued and tired and no good for the, for the kingdom. And even that sometimes is motivated, and probably most times is motivated by self. When we get too tired of doing and doing for others, uh, serving others, it might just be that we've gotten out of step with God and we've made it about ourselves and what other people are uh, thinking we should do. And we should respond to this because they're looking at me. They, they want me to do this. That is not a good reason to serve. That the service should come from an inward uh, witness uh, and a heart of serving. But also, it, at the same time, we should be able to pull back the reins. Because remember, it's not about us. It's not about us. Uh, if I don't, if I don't uh, do something, if I don't go to a particular area, if I don't do a particular thing, you know, I'm self-righteous. My self-righteousness would say, you need to do that. You need to be a part of it. And I'm thinking, oh, what are they going to think if I don't show up? What are they going to think if I don't do this? No, that's not the right motivation for doing it. Because remember, self is still in it. Self is still regarding how I'm going to look, what it's going to be its effect on me, how are people going to perceive me. That shouldn't play in it at all. So if, if there's a, something in us that says, you know what, I'm not supposed to be involved with that. I heard someone say this, and it was so very good. Um, uh, it's a scripture in the Old Testament uh, where a man uh, um, said, you know what, if I don't, he made a vow. If I don't do it, I can't remember what it was. If I don't do or take the head of someone before a certain time of the day, then the first person that come, comes out of my house, I'll sacrifice them to the Lord. And uh, so he didn't fulfill his vow. And his daughter, when he came home, his daughter was the first one to come out of his door. And so she had to be the sacrifice. And God didn't ask him to do that. He probably was doing it in the presence of, of, of people and thinking, you know, what are they going to think about me if I, if I make this vow? Or what are they going to think about me if I, if I don't keep my vow? And so he put himself in a hard place just because he involved himself and not the will of God. So always, always be led by the Spirit of God and respond not out of a sense of self being pressured and pushed, but by the standpoint of this seems right in my spirit to do this thing. Not a feeling, it's just a persuasion, an influence, a satiny smoothness that I'm supposed to be involved with. That. And if we're constantly led by the Spirit, then we're going to be always in step with God. So, um, True service ministers simply uh, and faithfully because there is a need. It knows that the feeling to serve can often be a hindrance to true service. The service, dis the service disciplines the feelings rather than allowing the feeling to control the service. That's a big thing. The service disciplines the feelings rather than the allowing the feeling to control the service. So we're doing it because there is a need. We're still checking our spirit. But the need is what we're responding to, not do I feel like doing it. All right, number eight. Self-righteous service is temporary. It functions only while the specific acts of service are being performed. Having served, it can rest easy. But that's a good way to determine what your righteousness is based upon. You know, what eases your conscience uh, after you've done a particular service if you feel eased, well, I, I, check, check mark, I did my service, check mark, I feel good. I can go to sleep tonight because I did what I was supposed to do um, because I've served others. Then, then that, that in and of itself means that the motivation for the service was self. If you check off something and you feel better because you have served someone, your motivation has been self. Now, don't get that mixed up. There is a peace that comes from helping others. The Bible tells us it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I think there's the blessed part of that is a peace that comes upon us because we have helped others out. But it has nothing to do with our right standing with God. You know, it's just a, the cherry on top of the cake. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm whole. I'm at peace with that. 
And then when I do something or serve others, I get to experience even more joy uh, because I've helped other people. But the helping other people is not the completion of me. It's not the part that makes me feel like everything is all right now. I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, that I'm already peace. The cherry, the icing, is that I get through to serve others uh, from a standpoint of not being, not trying to be complete, but of having already been completed. That's what I'm talking about uh, this past Sunday when I said um, we we are not we're not um, working for identity. We are working for justice. Big difference. You know, if I'm all, if everything I do is wrapped up in, in my identity or trying to become something, trying to be, trying to make myself uh, as a, quote, as a black man, if, 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 if what I'm doing is to validate my blackness, then I'll always be longing. I'll always have to do more. But if I'm already there through Jesus Christ, I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, my identity is already sealed and complete, then what I do out of that comes from that, comes from the fact that I'm already complete, not trying to be made complete. That's a huge thing. Uh, sometimes people are doing things so that they can become complete. And so that's trying to make their identity more stable and secure. I don't, I, we shouldn't as Christians function from that vantage point. We do it because, hey, we already got it made. We're, we're, God has already completed us. God has already made us his righteousness. And so what I'm doing is an extension of his goodness. I am now an instrument of that righteousness. I am a cutting tool of that righteousness. I'm already right. Nothing else makes me right. If I serve 10,000 people, if I go out and clean the whole of my city and clean up all the trash. And, and if I go and feed all these people, that doesn't make me right. What makes me right is Jesus Christ. And from that righteousness, I want to serve other people. Um, true, true service is a, is a lifestyle. It acts from ingrained patterns of living. It springs spontaneously to meet human need. Number nine, self-righteous service is insensitive. Hmm. Again, back to self. I don't care whether you like it or not. It's about me. Um, it insists on meeting the need even when, when to do so would be destructive. You know, think about, I want you to really, really think about this. Don't just do stuff for people without asking, even if you know it needs to be done, even if you can see clearly it needs to be done, always function from the basis of permission. And then you're under authority. They have given you permission to do something. They've given you permission to, to, to act in a certain way. And that must be established from the very beginning. And so if it's about you, you don't even care the people you're helping. You don't care if they want your help or not. You're just going to give it to them because, again, it's about you. It's about me. So what I care, what they think, I, it's about what I think. It's about what I want. It's about what the, its effects on me. So remember, uh, self-righteous uh, service is insensitive. It doesn't care about the people it's helping because it's, it's about, it, it wants it to be about themselves. It insists on meeting the needs even when to do so would be destructive. It demands the opportunity to help. <laughs> that, that's the epitome of self-righteousness. Is I, I no, I'm gonna help you no matter what. You you no, I don't want your help. I don't it's okay. I don't I don't I don't need your help. Let me just let me just be, okay? All right. But a self-righteous person, because everything is dependent upon how they uh, appease their self, how they appease the self-God. It demands the opportunity to help. True service can withhold the service as freely as perform it. Uh, it can listen with tenderness and patience before acting. It can serve by waiting in silence. They also serve also serve who only stand 
They also serve who only stand and wait. Uh, so what it's saying here is that once asked for permission, someone may say, no, I appreciate it, but no, thank you. Okay, well, appreciate you uh, even consider my my uh, my asking to help. That is, you can't, we can't push off and pressure um, ourselves on other people. We have to take other people in mind. Just because you see something needs to be done, don't mean you can rush in there and I can rush in there and do it just because we think it needs to be done. The greatest honor you can give a person is the honor of the ask. Ask them. Ask them for permission. Ask them if you can do whatever. That's the greatest form of honor. It values the individual. And true, the true heart of service always seeks to honor the person that they're serving. Number 10, self-righteous service fractures community. In the final analysis, once all the religious trappings are removed, it centers in the glorification of the individual. We've talked about that over and over again. Therefore, it puts others into its debt and becomes one of the most subtle and destructive forms of manipulation known. You know, you can actually feel that. You, you can feel when the heart of someone's doing is for themselves because it will have a hook in it. You see that hook? It will have a hook in it and it'll say, Shh, I did it, but okay, now you got to like me. Now you got to treat me right. Now you got to uh, think highly of me. Now you got to uh, not... not uh, 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 speak um, to me in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a corrective way or a manner that I don't like because look what I've done for you. No. You know what? I would tell a person like that, keep your service. I, I don't want your service. If you got a hook in it, if you want to give me something and, and in that giving, you're asking for me to, to respond or to be or to, to accept or to, it ain't working. You know, uh, you know, just just take your money, take your service, take whatever it is, and keep it. I don't need it. It, 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 especially in pastoring for myself, I have to be very conscious of the motivations of others the, and 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 the desire to manipulate because I've got to always be able to speak the truth. I've got to be able to speak the truth, and so if someone gives me something, uh, whatever that might be. I, I can't say, well, I can't tell them the truth anymore. I can't can't speak that to them anymore because, I mean, they might not do anything for me anymore. They might not want to, they might not, they may leave my church if I speak. No, you know, what I would say to that is just keep it, keep, keep your service. I don't want it if there's a hook. I don't want it. If I can't still maintain an honest and transparent and, and a relationship with you, that 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 is um, that is now not thinking. Well, goodness, you know, they just did this for me. I, ooh, I better not. I better not say that. I better. I better hold that back. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Is that a temptation? You better believe it is. It's a, a temptation for me, and I'm sure it's a temptation for many people to to not uh, to to be less um, transparent or to be less uh, of a true, honest friend if someone has done something for you. But you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, uh, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. And that's important for us to understand that, that we need to maintain uh, some level of, of, in other words, don't allow anyone to manipulate through service. Don't don't allow anyone because you will be at a disadvantage and you will disadvantage them as well because you can no longer be truthful and honest with them. So that's the heart of that. Um, uh, and, and, and to do so otherwise, uh, when 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 there is levels of manipulation, it will fracture a community. It will it will manipulation uh, is a true form of, of, of fracturing 
uh, relationships and families, uh, things that are whole. The enemy comes in there and he seeks to divide and to conquer. Uh, even, even if someone has been very generous with you in your life over time, uh, you, you can't allow them to, in a sense, bully you with um, their goodness uh, and, 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 and say, well, you just got to take this because of what I've, I've done for you. Mm -mm. Uh, no, that, that does not work. Take the hook, cut it off, and let's get going. Don't be connected to people because they've served you and they've used that service as a means to hook you and to keep you, in a sense, controlled by them. All right. Uh, the, uh, let's see. True service builds community. It quietly and unpretentiously uh, goes about caring for the needs of others. It draws, binds, heals, builds. That's big. Draws, binds, heals, builds. That's, that's what uh, service should be doing. Drawing, binding, healing, building. All right? Let's move on to the next section, service and humility. Now, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. So let's get going. Number one, more than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. Humility, as we all know, is one of those virtues that is never gained by seeking it. The more we pursue it, the more distant it becomes. To think we have it is sure evidence that we don't. Therefore, most of us assume there is nothing we can do to gain the prized Christian value, and so we do nothing. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. It makes sense to me. Um, humility is one of those things that that just the pursuit of it I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be more humble I, I'm seeking to be uh, uh, humble and, and have humility um, is a sure sign uh, that the very act of seeking it is a self act it's an act that, 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 that would say I, I'm, I am seeking this thing called humility I'm going to put I am going to put myself in a position of being humble look what a humble act I just did look what I just did that shows forth humility um, so that's not the way of going about it you know that's not the way to get it is pursuing it but there are some things that he'll reveal in this that will allow us to be humble that will produce humility in us all right and so let's get into that number two of all the classical spiritual disciplines service is the most conducive to the growth of humility when we set out on a consciously chosen course of action that that assents the good of others and is for the most part a hidden work a deep change occurs in our spirits you know change the the real kind of change it, it really happens somewhat unconsciously in other words we do the disciplines but the the seed it grows into the ground and what is doing in there we do not know but one day it just springs up well that's the same with uh what service does in humility it 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 grows something in us and then one day it just comes out um uh without us really not consciously uh, working on it from the standpoint of, of us, okay, I'm gonna go grab some humility today and know it's, it's growing, it's germinating on the inside of us and it does take a little bit of time. Um, number three says, nothing, dis nothing disciplines the in inordinate desires of the flesh like service. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness the flesh whines against service but screams against hidden service it strains and pulls for honor and recognition it, it if we stoutly refuse to give um give into the lust of the flesh we crucify it every time we crucify the flesh we crucify our pride 
and our arrogance. So it's saying here that when we do service and we refuse to tell anyone about it. Now, not all service you can do that way because somebody's going to see you doing it they're gonna, or they're going to know you did it. But you refuse to put yourself out there and say what you have done. You just hide it. No one, no one's getting recognition for it. And sometimes it's, you can actually do work and no one knows who did the work. And you're screaming on this, your flesh and saying, tell them, tell them I did this, tell them I did this. I know I feel that. Tell them, tell them, tell them what you did. Tell them what you did. Tell them, let them know that you did this. Let them know. That's your flesh. That's my flesh. Seeking for recognition. Seeking for glorification. It's desiring for someone, please see me. I get such a feel. I just gotta get such a rise out of, out of knowing that someone knows that I did the work. But if you can respond the opposite of that, while your flesh is screaming, it's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, you're not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna glorify you. I'm not going to, I am just not going to let you speak. Now shut up. You ain't gonna tell nobody. Shut up, shut, hush your mouth. Be quiet. When we do that, it's like it's like training a, a little baby, uh, you know. Uh, all, all, we see it so early in in all of our lives. Uh, our flesh crying out. You know when a baby's hungry because he begins to cry. He begins to cry. He's letting his mama know that he wants something, or his daddy know that he wants something, and he lets out those cries, or he lets out a whimper. He lets out a little something, and it's just his nature saying, me, 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 look over here, me, me. I want you to look at me, 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 me. And, and, and so we have to determine whether or not it's a legitimate need or not and respond in kind. And sometimes we, we have to say, no, you, you can't have it. And you just might as well shut your flesh down because I'm not going to give it to you. And eventually, you end up taming uh, that flesh. You tame that, that even that child so that he knows that I don't always get what I want. I don't always get it because I want it. Um, my parents won't let me have it, so I might as well just stop crying because they act like they're not going to give it to me. I'm the, I've gotten tired of whimpering and crying, so therefore, let me just let it go. <laughs> you know? And it's the nature of all little babies. You know it's the truth. They will seek to get their own way. But well, we are the same way. Our, our nature is the same. We're just no, we're no different from a little baby. We want to appease our flesh. We want it me, me, me. It's mine, mine, mine. I got to have it, have it, have it. And we'll scream and holler. And, but the way you tame it is to don't give it what it wants. Don't give it what it wants. And when you don't give it what it wants, eventually... It'll just like, it's all right. It's okay. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm done with this temper tantrum. But if we always give way to our flesh, if we always give way to a temper tantrum, then our flesh will always know this is how I get what I want. A child will always know this is how I get what I want. I just keep on screaming until they give in. Uh-uh. No. Lillian Logan didn't play that game. I'm telling you, <laughs> she did not play that game and we didn't get what we wanted. Uh, and so that's kind of how we kind of grew up is scream all day long. I don't care. I don't care what, no, you, you're not getting it. And I'm grateful for that because it didn't give me a sense of entitlement. It didn't sense, sense that it's all about me. Um, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that there's other things that, that I know. It doesn't mean that it squashed forever the flesh because it didn't. It still rises up. It still says me, me, me. It still says blah, blah, blah. And we find that out even in, in our closest relationships with our husband and our wives. You know, husbands, wives, you can't make your marriage all about yourself. And, and you need to be able to back away and tell your flesh no, you can't do it. You can't have it. Um, you know, and, and seek to serve one another, whatever that might look like. Just do it without looking for a hook to manipulate uh, your spouse. Number four, the Apostle John writes, 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. We fail to understand the force of this passage because of our tendency to relegate it all to sexual sin. The lust of the flesh refers to the failure to discipline the natural human passions. That is so true. You know, again, we kind of, well, we're not, we're, we don't lust uh, because we always relegate it to, to sex or sexual impurities. But if you can't say no to yourself on any area of your life, then that's, a, that's an unbridled lust. That's an unbridled perversion. Whatever it may be, you know, just having your own uh, say, your own opinion, your um, having, you know, um, you know, screaming and hollering, if I can't get my way in, in any particular area of your life, even uh, when it comes to eating, you know, your body may be saying, I got to have another bag of chips, which is my weakness. Um, and you tell it, no, you, 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 you're not going to get any more. You're going to get a couple, but that's it, you know, uh, instead of the whole bag. Uh, my wife laughs at me many times because I, what I'll do with the chips is I'll leave it up in the counter uh, in our, uh, in our uh, uh, not the counter, but the where you put food at. <laughs> you know, I can't think of the word. Uh, and so I'll put the, I'll leave them up there thinking that I'll just take one and leave it up there. And she gets upset because she hears me tot, 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 back to the counter, grab some more chips, tot, 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 and away. And she'll hear me back again, grab some more chips. She said, why don't you just take the bag? Just take the bag, you know? And so for me, I know that's, that's a lust of my flesh, that, that, that whatever, that salt, that, that, that and so I have, to, I have to be willing to give those things up and to tell my flesh, you can't have it. You're not the owner of me. And we do that the same way uh, through service. Number five, the strictest daily discipline is necessary to hold these passions in check. The flesh must learn the painful lesson that it has no rights of its own. It is the work of hidden service that will accomplish this self abasement. The flesh must learn the painful lesson, and it is painful. It is the dividing of the soul and the spirit. It is a cutting away when we deny our flesh its own rights. It is painful, and you need to know that as you go into it. It's not an easy thing. It is a painful. The Bible says the Bible, the Word of God is a two-edged sword, dividing the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. In other words, there is a cutting that is necessary to cut self away from the true self, which is in Christ Jesus. And that's the way we do that. You know, one way that we do that is serving others without telling anyone else. And you will begin to lose uh, that, 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 that passion uh, to, make, to exalt yourself. Uh, number six, William Law made a lasting impact upon uh, 18th century England with his book, A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. It, in it, Law urges every, that every day should be viewed as a day of humility. And how does he suggest that we do this? By learning to serve others. Law understood that it is the discipline of service that brings humility into the life. If we want humility, he counsels us to condescend to all the weaknesses. I want you to listen to this. Condescend to all the weaknesses and infirmities of your fellow creatures. Cover their frailties, love their excellencies, encourage their virtues, relieve their wants, rejoice in their prosperities, compassionate their distress, receive their friendship, overlook their unkindness, forgive their malice, be a servant of servants, and condescend to do the lowest offices to the lowest of mankind. Boy, does our, does our nation need that today? Does our community need that today? Where we, where we just simply say, you know what, it's not about me. No, 
let, let me let me learn those who are un, let me love those who are unlovable. Let me see how I can do something for someone who may just spit in my face for doing it. Let me do something without being being acknowledged for it. You know, in the midst of some of the racial issues that are going on right now, what if we just what if we pick someone and bought them lunch? You know, someone that you know is antagonistic towards you, that does not like you, and you just gave them lunch that day, just brought them lunch. What what would that do for us? You know, to be able to really think about how can we truly serve other people, even if we don't like them and we don't like what they stand for. Wouldn't it be nice to 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 do something that would free us up, give us a greater sense of humility while serving others. I think that is the answer. You know, people who, uh, the Bible even tells us that what, what reward is there when we do for people that can do something for us. But the greater reward is in doing for people who can't do anything to repay us back. Or people who, uh, the Bible tells us to bless those who curse us. Bless and do not hate them. Bless and don't curse them. What if we did that every day? If we, we look for the opportunity to serve others that we've got a little issue with. Might be your neighbor. Might be someone in the, in the, in the line at the marketplace. Might be someone that, that, you know, for whatever reason, they just were snotty that day and, and you didn't understand why. What if you sought a way to, to getting them back with love? <laughs> that would be so wonderful, wouldn't it? What if we all live with that kind of temperament? That it's not about me. What if we, we all grew wider shoulders and thicker skin and not so sensitive about everything and just learn how to be more civil? Last two. The result then of this daily discipline of the flesh will be the rise of the grace of humility. It will slip in upon us unawares though we do not sense its presence we are aware of a fresh zest of exhilaration with living true 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 serving others will cause a root a vine to grow on the inside of you that produces such a wonderful wonderful sweetness on the inside peace on the inside just by living out this sense of, of service. The last one says this, people whom we once only envied, we now view with compassion. For we see not only their position, but their pain. People whom we would have passed over before we now see, quotation mark see, and find to be delightful individuals. Somehow, we cannot exactly explain how we feel a new spirit of identification with the outcasts, the off-scourings of the earth. That is so wonderful, he said. To, to begin to serve would bring about just a new way of looking at people because to really love people, to really, really love them is to serve them. And to be able to serve them, we got to know what their felt needs are. And once we know what their felt needs are, by permission, we can go and ask to respond to those needs. I hope you think you enjoyed this. I know I have. I know there's, there's improvements that are needed and necessary in this, this chunk of clay. <laughs> But I'm so grateful that God has given us a way to become more like him through the celebration of service. I hope you've gotten something out of this. I know it's a little long, uh, but uh, um, I think it's meaty. And I think if we will embrace it, just embrace serving others with a true heart. And that would get us a long ways. Um, so let's pray. Uh, remember that we also receive offerings by way of online or you can mail it in the to our uh, 1023 East Union Street. Um, 
and so you can give the the, the information for giving should be on on the uh, the note. You can text it in. You can give it through our our, our website, or you can um, get the app itself. It's a really neat way of doing it, and we're so very appreciative of those who have continued to support this ministry, even in the midst of a pandemic. Thankful, thankful to you, and thankful to God for you. God bless you. Uh, remember, we'll be back here on Friday, God willing, and then Sunday. You're welcome to visit with us on Sundays. We wear masks or we um, uh, observe social distancing. Uh, we have our, our ushers that guide you in and, and sit you and put you in the right positioning. Uh, whether, whether you believe we should be doing this or not, for the love of others, to serve others, to make others feel more comfortable about being in our presence. Uh, we're doing these things, and we thank God for it. And at the same time, if you're unable to, to come to service or, or feel uncomfortable to come to this time, enjoy it at home. You know, as someone told me, pull up your couch, get a cup of coffee, and watch us then. God bless you. We love you. I love you. Uh, you're welcome to New Day Christian Church. Thank you for continuing to um, uh, to support this ministry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for each and every person uh, who have, have watched and, and, and observed um, and have been with us uh, today, this evening. Um, I pray your blessings upon us. Help us to resolve to serve others. Help us to resolve uh, in doing so, to not have it motivated by ourself. Help us to, by our serving, um, crucify our flesh and its desires the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride about of life, the what about me syndrome. Thank you, Lord. You're helping us by your Holy Spirit. We know that by your Holy Spirit, we're able to live a life of service and a life of humility. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. And thank you for joining us this evening.